Hey, it's Melaine Lee, and you found your way to the Divine Goddess Revolution podcast. This podcast is no ordinary podcast. It is for women looking to thrive, not just survive. It's for women looking to learn how to really unlock and unleash that divine light within so that they can rock their inner goddess on a daily basis. The experts will be featured from all over the world, supporting you in becoming that badass divine goddess that you were born to be. I'm so excited about today's episode. It's featuring Meta Romaine, who's one of my favorite goddesses. She is a powerhouse and someone that is just super, super dynamic in every sense of the way. And today we're going to talk about vulnerability, sisterhood, connection, and the power of just being you. And how being crazy is also really cool too. So here we go. Welcome to the episode, Meta. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to have the chance to talk to you and reach out to the fabulous women who are listening to you. They're super smart if they're taking the time to listen to you. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree that they're smart <laughs> as well. That's a great state. I always love Meta because every time I talk to her, she's always got a compliment or two to throw at me. So I'm happy to receive. I'm really happy to receive and super excited to have you here. Before we kind of get into the depth of the conversation, what does a goddess mean to you? So for me, first off, I used to hate, well, that's such a strong word, but I'll just use it, right? I used to really viscerally dislike the word goddess, right? Like you call everybody goddesses and blah, 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 blah. But then in thinking about it and in linking to a community of amazing women and watching each other grow and experiencing myself grow, I have now come to embrace the word goddess. So you've enrolled me into uh, the goddess terminology. And so for me, (laughs) being a goddess is really owning and accepting all of yourself. It's accepting your power and accepting your vulnerability and accepting the ways in which you might have areas of potential growth. And most importantly, I think being a goddess is being able to stand and be with other strong, badass women and feel their strength and accept it rather than falling into this old idea of competition and putting people down. So it's about accepting and owning your own individual power, but also being able to align with other women who have power and to lift each other up and to be a part of a community that is greater than the sum of its parts. I really love this definition and the power of sisterhood connection that really gets intertwined with the word goddess. And I have to be honest with you too. I don't think I've ever shared this with you. I hated the word goddess as well. And I was super resistant to it. And I remember the first time one of my friends 
who has a company called Goddess on the Go, had really started, she would always address me, Goddess Mulane, welcome Goddess Mulane, Goddess Mulane, Goddess Mulane this and that. And like every sentence with my name and it had the word goddess attached. And I was so like turned off and resistant. But as I started to really embrace it and understood why she was using it, it almost kind of like started to call me forth in each moment she said it. And so that's why I started using it in business as well with my clients and all my girlfriends, because it just like, I just feel like it honors the relationship. And it's almost like namaste, like the divine in me honors the divine in you. Kind of the same thing with the word God. So I love how you really went into detail with that. When it comes to your personal life, well, let's talk about this connection and community piece, because it sounds like it's kind of a big piece in the definition of goddess for you. How has that played a role in your personal life? Connection, community, sisterhood. I feel like it's a topic that's not talked about enough and it's such a vital like medicine for survival. Yes, yes. And I think that is so true. And earlier in my career as a therapist, I worked for outpatient chemical dependency agency and um, I ran the women's program and so many times women would come in and their first statement would be, I don't like other girls. I don't like other women. I've always gotten along better with guys and I totally get it because we come up through, you know, at least here in the States, I imagine it may be the same through other Western countries, you know, with this really toxic mean girl state, right, of being mean to each other, putting each other down, randomly icing somebody out or spreading rumors. And that does significant damage to our souls and to our ability to emotionally connect, right? Like if you go through that Mm. or when you go through that, when I went through that as a, a young woman, it closed me down to the idea of friendship and connection with other women because I was in self-protection mode. And one of my uh, areas of interest and uh, expertise is in trauma and how trauma affects the brain and body and our ability to interact socially. And recognizing that we get the chance to own what happened to us and Mm. to opt out of staying in survival mode. And it's a huge challenge to then take these next steps of being vulnerable with other women. I mean, like as adults cultivating new women friendships, I mean, I've been with my partner for more than 10 years, so I don't know what it's like to be on the dating scene, but it's like asking somebody out on a date. Do you want to come over to my house and watch Real Housewives? Okay, just say no. It's really hard to make new friends. And so, and especially as a woman, because I work, I am a mom, I have a house. And so it's really hard to make time for friendship. And for those connections that are so important for our enrichment and our up-leveling as women. And I've Mm -hmm. found myself really grateful for linking to some very specific Facebook forums. Because I really enjoy specialized closed groups where there's this small-ish community of trust where we can be vulnerable and Now I've got this community of women across the globe who have seen me, like, I think Oprah calls it the ugly cry. 
I call it my Blair Witch Project video, like where I was just crying, like, oh, my God. And so I've got women who have seen that, and they still love and respect me, and we're really responsive to that vulnerability, and then have also seen me, you know, in celebration. And then I get the honor of celebrating their accomplishments with them and lifting them up when they are not feeling so great. So I don't even know where this question started, but linking as an adult woman to a community of women has, and I'm not, this sounds like hyperbole, but it is true. It has completely changed my life and the way that I walk through the world because I have this invisible wave or this invisible tailwind just blasting me forward because if I'm stepping into a situation where I might feel nervous or inadequate or whatever script my mind has made up for me, I can fall back and remind myself, no, wait, I have a band of at least 30 sisters who have got my back. And whatever way this goes, I am supported and I am loved and I am valued unconditionally. And that is a a type of relationship that is completely different than a romantic relationship or don't get me started on family relationships. They're so complicated. So, you know, like, you know, <laughs> friends of the family that we get to choose. And so, you know, getting this chance to cultivate a, a, a community of strong, real, vulnerable women and to draw from their amazing variability of strength has been life changing for me. Such a powerful conversation. I mean, really, you've been on the mark. We've been talking about just the power of sisterhood and that community of women. But I just love this kind of notion that it's getting intimate with women, getting vulnerable with women. It's so different than a romantic relationship and can be kind of challenging at times, right? Because we meet certain people in certain scenarios and it can be very surface level conversations. So finding a community or an area where women, it sounds to me, which has been really, I know, profound in your life, is finding groups or communities that you can go to that you can really drop those masks and you don't have to, you know, not that you should be putting them on anywhere, but let's face it, it does happen. And so finding a space that you feel safe, that you feel comfortable, that you can really share and be vulnerable with another woman or women in a group. And I got to say, I agree with you, Meta, so much. I remember my first experience in a group with women, same person that was like making me call everyone goddesses and she was also calling me one. I remember going in the first night and being like, why the hell am I here? I don't fit it. I don't belong here. These women aren't for me. I am totally better than these people. Look at that. (laughs) You know, like I was Totally judging everyone. Needless to say, within three weeks, three of them now have become lifelong friends. One is just going to come on and work for me soon. A bunch have become clients. I mean, the list goes on in the connections, what I've gotten from just that particular group of like 10 women. But it's just so magical, like the healing that evolved. And by the way, the first night when we went to share, as I was judging everyone for like crying and whatever was going down. And they got to me and like, would you like to share in the wings? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I was just like crying through the whole yeah. I literally was sobbing. Yeah. Yes. And, that's, and I believe that's the power of that women have in community and healing. It's like, 
even though you don't want to, it ends up happening. It's like this magical power that they pull out of you. Oh, it is so true. And something that comes to mind just from what you were saying that I think is really important to speak about is the value that our mask and our judgments have for us because we develop them for a reason. Most of the time, our masks are so that we can walk through the social world, you know, like the grocery store or the waiting room of the doctor's Mm. office and not be complete blobs. And so we created our masks to help us navigate various situations, right? You want to have your mask on in the job interview. You want to have your mask on when you're first meeting people just because you don't know if they're safe or not. And so we develop our masks to protect ourselves. Mm. For me, it's a really important practice because I'm a therapist, but I like to joke that I'm not just the president of the crazy club. I'm a member and I've got a lot of voices in my head. And so I've named them, right? I've got the judge. I've got the critic. I've got the tantruming two-year-old. I've got the diva. They're all there and they have their time and place, but I've developed them for a reason. And many of them developed when I was young, when I didn't have a whole lot of external resources around me, like somebody to say like, oh, you're a goddess and I love you no matter what. And for me to truly believe that, we just don't have that ability. And so we develop our math to keep us safe and to help us walk through the world and armor, right? Masks and armor to keep ourselves safe because maybe we never had a place where we could be safely vulnerable Or maybe we were never in a place where we, even if the opportunity was available, where we were able to because we just hadn't grown to the point where vulnerability was possible. I mean, that takes a lot of confidence and integrity inside. And you got to work for that. After the age of 15 or so, you really have to opt into personal growth. And a lot of people Mm. do not. We need Mm. to have judgments. If somebody puts a food in front of you and you're like, oh, man, that smells rancid, nasty. I think that that cheese is a little bit past its prime. I'm not going to. You need that judgment to keep you alive. Right. We also need Mm. our snap judgments of people. And I think it's what's his name, Gavin DeBecker, who wrote The Gift of Fear to trust our guts of, oh, this person is safe. This person is not safe. I'm not going to get in the elevator with the creeper. Mm. We are allowed to have our judgments and we should recognize them as so. And one of my favorite things, maybe I came up with it, I probably didn't, but is you don't have to believe everything you think. So you can notice the judgments, mm. you can notice the voices in your head, you can notice the mask coming up, and then take a breath, sink in, access your wisdom, do a little prayer, whatever works for you to decide, okay, is this judgment, is this mask serving me in this moment, or is it just popped up out of a survival reflex? And would it serve me longer term to set it aside so that I can really connect with this person? And we're allowed to be constantly navigating that balance. I love this conversation, Meta, and where you kind of like took it. And especially you're really giving everyone the permission to know that these different things, such as judgment, are mechanisms that have been built in us. Fear have been mechanisms built in us to support us in our survival. And now, can it work against us? You know, absolutely. But it's just like a noticing and also embracing them and thanking them. Because, like, I never even thought of that. But, like, I remember what popped into my mind as you were talking is my one of my really best dear friends was in New York City one day. Not one day. She was living there. We both lived there for a while. And she hopped into a cab. And she said about 
10 blocks in, intuitively in her gut, she knew something was wrong. And then the guy was actually driving in the wrong direction. And she said, excuse me, sir, where are you going? Where are you going? And he didn't answer. He wasn't answering her. <gasps> so she just like, oh, my God. And so she literally said, Malene, I just got this surge of power from like the core of my being. And I was like, oh, now, pull this car over now. She just screaming at the top of her lungs and also rolled the windows down as she did it. He pulled over and she just jumped out of the car, you know, like as fast as she could. Fierceness, and was like, totally I love shaken. it. You know, yeah, but it was like that fear, like she knew immediately and she trusted it, which I love that you're sharing that because that is so important because I think that, and even I myself, I teach about like walking through fear and navigating around it, but it also does serve a purpose in many instances, you know, can it hinder us? Yes, same with judgment, but if we're observing it, it can serve us in a way that helps. Yeah, we don't want to get in the elevator with the creepy man or I've actually just been watching this new Netflix series, Stranger Things. Well, it's not new, but it's <laughs> oh, yeah, and, right. and I'm like, oh, if they only knew, don't go back. Don't go down that road. You know, it's like, <laughs> you think that. I know, people on TV, they never listen to us. Don't do that. Go, no. I know. They, they, ne- <laughs> they never listen to us or their intuition. You know, they're like, shall I? I should probably shouldn't run back upstairs where the creepy guy with the knife is. But I'll do it anyway. So, um, <laughs> I just love that you gave such permission around and such a different spin which is one of the reasons why I love you because you always bring such a different spin to a situation or experience or just a topic of discussion which is so great to look at all the different viewpoints and this is such a good viewpoint to see like oh my god yes fear can hinder me but if I'm observing it there are moments that it does serve me to help me survive and thrive in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I've noticed with my crazy voices in my head, and maybe it's the same for you or anybody else listening, is the more you try to push them or bully them out, the stronger they get. Because they, again, because it's this subconscious thing that is maybe going on for the voices in the head, right? They're like, no, 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 you need me. I'm going to prove how much you need me by getting even louder. Mm-hmm. And for me, switching it to a more compassionate approach of, well, thank you, Lazy Jane, who would prefer to stay home tonight rather than going to this dinner gathering where I only know half the people there. Thank you for wanting me to, you know, rest and veg. And you've been right many times when I wasn't feeling so well and I needed to decline an invitation. And you know what, tonight, put, you know, like, let me hear if there are any other voices at the table. And then maybe social Susanna rises up and says, oh, my gosh, I've been so excited to see so-and-so. Or so-and-so was saying that their friend is really interesting. And like, oh, okay, maybe I should listen to that, too. So having a gentler relationship with the aspects of myself that I may not like as much all the time, but they do serve their purpose. So I've just got to be nice to everybody at the table. Now, it doesn't mean that they get to monopolize the conversation. And in my head, I send some of the aspects to the kitty table if they just get unruly. But that's me. I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I love that you share that because I think that we're all a little crazy. You know, like I always say when people are like, be normal or act normal. I'm like, what does normal actually mean? Do I want to be normal? Like, 
what's normal? You know, I think that when Steve Jobs came up with the idea of the computer, people probably thought he was crazy out of his mind. In fact, they did, you know, and he had to really convince them to like sell what he was seeing, his innovation and stuff. So I think a lot of the quote unquote crazy people are the ones that are the most successful and inventive and just really living life as an adventure. I mean, think about Richard Branson, billionaire, doing pretty fucking well in his life at this point. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's some crazy, asinine things like flying in, what is it called? One of the hot air balloons over the ocean nearly died. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that was actually a clone he made of himself. He's actually got like 14 Richard Bransons that just go through the world. And the real one is just, I don't know, like maybe he's playing Donkey Kong on one of the old Apple IIe's. I don't know. But um, yeah, like, I mean, he's a visionary, but he does look like a complete creeper. I would not get in an elevator with that man just by looking at him if I didn't know who he was. But that's because he's an eccentric person who gets to like give zero fucks anymore. But that's amazing. And that's where you get to be when you step out of the comfort zone and into the growth zone or out of or into a place of vulnerability. Because from being vulnerable and from taking risks, that's where we have the opportunity to reap great rewards. And it's never easy. And there can be a lot of bumps and scrapes and pitfalls and disappointments along the way. But you know what? We all go to bed and wake up in the morning and the world has not yet ended. I know none of the the dumb crap that I've done has ever ended the world because it still keeps going. So nobody else's dumb crap has ended the world. Although, you know, there are some people with nuclear weapons that shouldn't have them. But that's a different podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different podcast for a, delay, for a later date. Um, but yeah, no, totally. I agree with you. Life keeps lifing, people keep peopling. And at the end of the day, you just have to put your best foot forward and do the best that you can. And I think that when we're in community and sisterhood together, talking to each other, even just you and I talking on this podcast together and sharing with other women and other women listening in can go, oh my God, like it's okay to be crazy or it's okay to think these thoughts or it's okay to have judgment. Then suddenly that thing that we thought was going to end the world tomorrow becomes not our only burden to bear, you know, because other people are like, oh my God. I mean, I remember when I struggled with bulimia for like 10 years of my life, which was a pretty dark time for me. I thought no one else knows what's going on. Like no one else has ever been through this experience and knows my <laughs> it's my pain, my unique pain. It's awful. So <laughs> nobody understands me. My mistake. Exactly. It was like my own blame is the fucking Broadway show off Broadway. And, <laughs> and the time has come at night. Sorry. The connection of hearing another woman say, I had these struggles too. I did these things too. These dark secrets that I thought no one else was doing these things, sneaking into a bathroom at the restaurant and flushing the toilet while I'm puking. Like no one else did that. No, no, no. I wasn't alone. There was many other women that were doing that, you know, and that I found out and it's like, oh my God. And I remember thinking when this girl told me I have gotten better and then shared what she had been through. I was like, wow, okay, I'm mm. not, you know, I'm not alone. You, you, and that's like, you said that and my heart just warmed up, right? The vulnerability mm. and the support of that. Mm-hmm. 
And it makes me think, and I know I've talked to you about this regarding vulnerability, is that there's a, a quote from Leonard Cohen from one of his poems. He says, there are cracks in everything. That's how the light gets in. And I interpret that, you know, the cracks are the vulnerabilities, the imperfection, and the light is the grace of God or support or the community, whatever. And I totally agree with it. And then I think of it and I put my own twist on it from my personal experience of being deeply flawed and sometimes brave enough to be vulnerable is we all have cracks and that's how the light gets out. So when we are Mm. being vulnerable, being messy, when we start a sentence but don't know how it's going to end and it might not land or come out the exact way we want it to, everybody can relate to that. And when we do that and when we show up as our true selves, flaws and cracks and warts and all, that is the light getting out. That is the grace of God, source, whatever you want to call it. That is connection. Because that's how people truly connect. This is the draw of reality television or shows like Dr. Phil. You know, you get mm. to watch these train wrecks and you're like, oh, well, me, I judge. I'm like, oh, I'm way better than that person. But then I'm also like, oh, yeah, I can totally relate. And I'm glad I'm not on TV because like mm. that would be really embarrassing. Right. But I think that our vulnerabilities, if we have the courage and the known sense of support that no matter how cracked I get, no matter how messy I get, I've got a container around me of friends, of select family, of God, of spirit, of a universe that is supportive and has my best interest at heart, then I can be messy. I can trip and I will be caught. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that vulnerability piece is like the key to so much and just allowing yourself to, yeah, that's how we connect. You know, it's how we connect. Coincidentally, I remember when I was single and I was searching for the love and I wasn't vulnerable and I was super inauthentic, you know, because I was always trying to put on the act of like what I thought they wanted. And then when, when I coached one day, I said to me, Maureen, like, that's how a man connects with you through your heart, through your vulnerability. And the vehicle is vulnerability and authenticity. And you're not giving access to either of those. I was like, oh. So just so powerful. I think that the V word gets a really dirty rap a lot of times, especially for women, but it's such the key to the kingdom for not only love, relationships, mm-hmm. sisterhood, business, the list goes on. <laughs> it's the key to truth with a capital T, to the real truth, yeah. not the facade, not the image, not what makes other people comfortable, not what like what's in line with what keeps society comfortable. And we're seeing there's a lot of light and a lot of dark right now in our global world. You watch the news like, oh, my gosh, where has the next tragedy happened? Or who's the next person that's going to be revealed to have been, you know, a lifelong sexual predator? But these things are coming to light because people are being vulnerable and women are speaking out and speaking the truth. And saying, yep, I was in that situation. And yeah, you can judge me for it or say that I was wearing the wrong thing or even say that I'm lying. I know I'm not because I've got sisters who believe me and this is the truth. And there is such a power to it. And that's the light of that shadow. You know, nothing in the world is black and white. We're all living in shades of gray and nothing is one dimensional. Everything is multifaceted. And to explore the facets of ourselves, of others, of our communities, of our world that are not so pretty 
but still need attention. That's why we've got tantruming two-year-olds inside of us. <laughs> we, and that's where the truth is. Amen. Amen to that. Meta, for all of our ladies listening in today that want to get some more of you, where is the best place to find you or to hop to? All right. So I have a website. <laughs> I'm so imperfect. I have a website. <laughs> MetaRomaine.com. That's M like monkey, E-T-T-E-R-O-M-A-I-N.com. And that's really the best way to see me, see what I do. I do individual therapy here in Montana, um, but I also offer mind-body integration coaching, which is available to anybody anywhere. And so my passion is working with women to do exactly what we're talking about, which is to identify areas of dissatisfaction, of vulnerability. Uh, one of the areas that I'm very seeped in is the world of chronic illness and trauma. And so helping mostly women, but I'm open to working with men too, to identify where our emotional reflexes are keeping us stuck. Those when our deeply felt inside says, nope, not safe, stay in the safe zone, don't go forward, don't ask for that promotion, don't admit that you need to go to the doctor, don't admit that you want more from your partner, whatever it is, to identify those, to honor those, right? Because they evolve for a reason. And then to find out what is the next phase, what is the mm. next version of this emotional reflex that you have. We're not getting rid of them. We're not pushing anything away, but we're going to up level to use one of your terms and grow this <laughs> to the next stage so that it matches where you are perhaps chronologically, right? Because everybody has somebody in their life who's like 40, but really just still acting like a 22 year old. Because like I said, mm -hmm. like growth is optional after a certain point. So yeah, metaromain.com. You can call me, email me from there. All my contact info is up there. And that's really the easiest entry point to the crazy world of meta. Mm, awesome. Love it. And I so encourage you ladies to reach out to her and before you hop off Meta today, what is one book that has really transformed your life that you would suggest for all the ladies listening in to read? Okay, so one of my favorite authors is Anne Lamott. Mm, I, I love uh, her. I've acquainted with her. Uh, yeah, she wrote for Salon for a long time, but she's also written, I think, fiction and nonfiction. But one of my favorite books of hers, and I just found it randomly at the library, is called Health. Thank wow. The three essential. I knew terms. you were going to say and, this one. <laughs> huh? Oh my God. Sorry to interrupt I, you. I knew you were going to say know, that. It's one of my favorites. Because too. it's brilliant. <laughs> it's like this thin little mm. book, but it is like because she's a brilliant writer, she can just distill so much like spirit and truth and realness into such a small space. And it was so helpful for me of this real way to connect to God, to the divine, whatever, because when do we pray? We pray when we need help, right? Like, please, God, please help my child survive this surgery. Like, oh, please, God, please let my car start because the battery's dead. Um, or thanks, like, thank you, Lord, for getting my child through surgery. Or thank you, Lord, I'm so grateful that I got the job. And then, wow, 
when you see the Grand Canyon or I, you know, I live in Montana, I live in Northwest Montana, USA. And so I'm close to Glacier National Park, which is unreal. And you cannot walk or drive or be in that place without having any other word than wow or holy fucking shit. <laughs> Just, mm. you know, this like, wow. So that's one of my favorites because it's short, it's direct, it's true, and it's one of my favorites. Awesome. Meta, you rock. I love having you on and we definitely have to have you back. You've had so much wisdom and insight. I agree with you. I love that book as well. Anne Lamont's one of my favorites. And you're one of my favorites, too. I like just love listening to everything that you had to share today. And thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's been such an honor. Have me back anytime. I love to just talk and ramble and be crazy. <laughs> me, too. Me, too. Ladies, I hope you had an amazing time listening in to this episode. Meta is a dynamic woman and a really powerhouse goddess, so make sure you check her out. And make sure you check out the next episode. And be sure to share this podcast with all your sister goddesses that you know would benefit from it. Until next time, have an amazing week.